Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. We are an ever-evolving community of visionaries, dreamers, and doers who have been called by God to live the lives we were created to live, commanded by God to love beyond the limits of our prejudices, and commissioned by God to serve called to live, commanded to love, commissioned to serve. And if you can't remember all of that, we live, we love, and we serve. Amen. Amen. I was reflecting on um, this day and this month and all that it means, and I'm just so grateful that we have a church that has an identity statement that commands us to live, to love, and to serve. What a joy to be a part of a place like this. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, God. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. Thank you, God. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No. Not one, none else can heal all our souls' diseases. No, not one, no, not one. Jesus knows all about our struggles, and he will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. 
thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. If we had 10,000 tongues, it would not be enough to thank you for who you are and for all you've done and for how you continue to bless us. God, you just keep on blessing us. In spite of what we do, in spite of what we don't do, you keep on blessing us. In spite of how we show up and how we don't show up, God, you keep on blessing us. In spite of our fear and in spite of our doubt, God, you just keep on and keep on and keep on blessing us over and over and over and over again. And we are grateful. We're grateful. We're grateful. God, thank you for this time for us to gather, even virtually, that we might give you honor and give you praise, that we might learn and grow together, that we might make change that will help build your kingdom in this place. God, we love you. We bless you. Open us up that we might receive what you have for us on this morning, that we might give you all of the praise and all of the glory and all of the honor because it all belongs to you. And we say together, amen, amen, and amen, 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 amen. I was thinking about Women's History Month and I was thinking about all that I've been through as a woman and all that I know women around the world have gone through. It hasn't been easy. It hasn't been easy even to get here. Sexism is so ingrained in who we are as a nation that it took the 14th Amendment to give women equal protection under the law and to ensure that we cannot be discriminated against because of our gender. It took the 19th Amendment to give women the right to vote. And still in 2020, we are paid less than men on average and still make less than men in the course of our lifetimes. I started thinking about what it meant growing up in in small town Texas and now living in New York City and everything that's happened along the way. I remember growing up in a church that did not believe that God called women to preach. And I believe that from the time I was a little girl all the way up until I went to Spelman College and heard Dr. Flora Wilson Bridges preach. And it was in that moment hearing her that I understood that sometimes the things that we believe when we were children, we don't have to continue to believe as adults. That sometimes the things we learned as children actually can change and shift when we become adults. I thought about the rules that I had to follow as a child. You know, when I was a little girl, things like don't touch the stove, you know, or you might get burned. Um, things like don't answer the phone. I I distinctly remember coming home from school and I was one of those latchkey kids. So I came home, my mother wasn't home. I'd come home from school and she'd say, don't answer the phone for anybody because I don't want anybody to know that you're home by yourself. And so she would call and let the phone ring one time and hang up. And then she called back again. um, And that's how I knew it was her. And that's how I knew I could answer the phone. 
All of the rules that we had uh, to learn how to live and how to be safe in this earth. And I don't know about you, but I couldn't wait to be grown. I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to be grown because I felt like when I got grown, I wasn't going to have to follow any of the rules. I could do what I wanted to do. I could go where I wanted to go and nobody could stop me because I would be grown. But what I found out was as I grew and I became grown, there was a whole nother set of rules that were imposed upon me. Rules like going to work, paying bills, watching your credit score, uh, taking care of other people, taking care of children. It, it just became incessant. It felt like there was run rule after the next, after the next. And if we're not careful, we will find ourselves doing things and following rules that really don't even make sense. Right. Uh, Miguel Ruiz wrote a book called The Four Agreements, and he talks about how uh, most of us, many of us, he would suggest even all of us have in many ways become domesticated, that, that we have been taught us first from our parents and then from our teachers and then from our spiritual leaders what we should do and what we shouldn't do, how we should act and how we shouldn't act, what good girls do and what good boys do and what it means to be a bad boy or a bad girl. And, and we follow those rules and we, we take all of that in and it becomes so ingrained in us that we find ourselves doing things that really don't make sense. We begin to follow rules without question and, and it, gets to so, so, um, it gets so bad sometimes that we are looking for people to tell us what to do because we've grown so accustomed to people telling us what to do. Right. So from the time we were children, somebody was always telling us what to do. And then we grow up. And when we have the opportunity to do what we want to do, then we find ourselves calling people and saying, what should I do? Right. Because when we get in those difficult decisions, we have relied so much on people telling us what we should or shouldn't do that sometimes then we don't even trust our own judgment. And so then instead of being able to make a decision, because we really already know what we should do, we call our friends. Girl, what should I do? Man, what do you think about this? Not realizing that the advice they're going to give you is based on their life and their experiences. That's why you got to be careful who you listen to. And you got to be careful who you seek advice from. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with seeking counsel. Certainly, there are things we should be able to talk through with the people that we love. But we've got to be careful that we don't become so incapacitated in decision making that we're always relying on other people to make decisions for us. Right? And we see this in the Bible, right? We see this community coming out of Israel uh, and, and they're coming out of bondage um, and found in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. Um, God gives what? The Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. Trying to teach a nation who has been in bondage what it looks like to live a free life, right? And, and so we get rules like, um, you shall have no other God before me. Uh, you shall make no idols. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbors. You shall not covet. The children of Israel were given these rules by Moses, who was given these rules by God. And it was given in an effort to teach a community how to live in freedom, 
how to live liberated, no longer under the oppression of the Egyptians. And so as God was forming this community, God gave these commandments so that the children of Israel could learn what it means to live in community, to honor God, to honor their neighbors, and to honor themselves. Uh, God was teaching them how to embrace their humanity. They were no longer an enslaved people subjugated to uh, the whims of the Egyptians. They were now free. But what does it mean to be free? And so God gives them these commandments uh, not to control them, not to manipulate them, not to oppress them, but to show them what it means to live in community. Well, the church did what the church did. They took those 10 rules and they expounded upon them because one of the best rules makers is the church. They tell us what to wear, how to dress, especially women. They tell us what to drink and what not to drink even though Jesus' first miracle was turning water into wine, but I digress. We hear things like women can't preach, and women can't teach men, and women can't wear pants. We hear things like you have to be baptized in order to take communion, and you have to finish your new members' classes in order to serve in ministry. The rules go on and on and on. But I thought whom the sun sets free, it's free indeed. And so if we're supposed to be living in the freedom of God, why all of these oppressive rules? Rules that don't bring out the best in us, but rules intended to keep us quiet, sitting in the back, uh, not leading, not really serving. Rules intended to diminish and not expand our humanity. And why do we follow these rules? And why don't we question these rules? And why are we following the same rules from the time we were five? And now we're following those same rules. And some of us are 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years old. And there's been no evolution in our understanding of what it means to be in relationship with God, with our neighbors, and with ourselves. It's almost as if these rules are given so that we focus more on the rules than we do on the relationship. Because how dare I trust the Holy Spirit to lead me when someone else has told me what I need to do? I'm trying to bless somebody right now. We, it's almost like we become like robots when we follow these rules and we do what they say. We don't question. We just do it. Well, pastor said it, so pastor has to be right. Well, my teacher said it, so my teacher has to be right. Well, my mother said it, so my mother has to be right. But the reality is we're all human and we're all growing. And what we believe when we're five should be different than what we believe when we're 50. That's why I love Jesus. Jesus questioned the rules. And if we claim to be followers of Jesus then should we not also question the rules? The fifth chapter of Matthew, I know y'all thought I forgot to read the scripture, but I'm switching it up a little bit today. 
the fifth chapter of Matthew, I love this. I love this. This is Jesus. He's teaching. He's in his prime. Uh, uh, They're listening. We're listening. Our ears are attuned. Uh, In the fifth chapter of Matthew at verse 21, Jesus says, listen, you're familiar with the command to the ancients, do not murder. It's one of the Ten Commandments. I'm telling you that anyone who is so much as angry with a brother or sister is guilty of murder. Carelessly call a brother idiot and you just might find yourself hauled into court. Thoughtlessly yell stupid at a sister and you're on the brink of hell fire. The simple moral fact is that words kill. Following the rules doesn't make you righteous. Because if you're following the rule, thou shalt not murder, but you're killing people with your tongue, then you're still hurting people and you're still causing discord in community. So it can't be just about the rules. I'm trying to guide you into relationship. Jesus goes on to say, this is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters. If you enter your place of worship and about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge that a friend has against you. Abandon your offering. Leave immediately. Go to this friend and make things right. Then and only then come back and work things out with God. So you're taking me from murder all the way down to the fact that I shouldn't stay angry? This is an expanded understanding of what it means to be in community. And if you listen carefully, the implication is that you've already done the work of apologizing or reconciling with people that you uh, have offended you. But now this work is with people that you may have offended. So you need to be right on both sides in order really to present yourself before God. Because how can you love God? Whom you've never seen. And, and got an attitude with your brother or sister that you see every day. The word says that you're a liar. And the truth is not in you. And Jesus is coming to expand, to stretch our understanding of what it means to be in community. Because the rule thou shalt not murder was given to a five-year-old. You're older now, so there's a bigger expectation. Uh, keep going here. Or you say, say you're out on the street, an old men- enemy accosts you. Don't lose a minute. Make the first move. Make things right with him. After all, if you leave the first move to him, knowing his track record, you're likely to end up in court, maybe even in jail. And if that happens, you won't get out without a stiff fine. In other words, don't wait for someone to do something negative against you. You know, we just be waiting on people. I, de- I can't. If she, ooh, I'm just, I'm just waiting. No, no, that's not the way. That's not the way. Jesus is showing us a more excellent way of what it looks like to really be in community. So you, you almost kind of get an attitude a little bit. Like, I'd rather just have the do not murder. Because now when you're expanding it a little bit, now I can't look at the murderer and point at the murderer and say that they're wrong, knowing that my words have killed. My attitude has hurt someone. My waiting on someone to offend me has given them the opportunity to do so, and then it puts us both out of line. He doesn't stop there. He keeps going. And don't say anything you don't mean. 
Jesus says, the 33rd verse. This counsel is embedded deep in our traditions. You only make things worse when you lay down a smoke screen of pious talk saying, I'll pray for you and never doing it. Or saying, God be with you and not meaning it. You don't make your words true by embellishing them with religious lace. In making your speech sound more religious, it becomes less true. Just say yes or no. When you manipulate words to get your own way, you go wrong. Be careful what you say. Be careful when you swear. Be careful when you promise. Be careful what comes out of your mouth because you might be setting yourself up for a fall. It sounds good, but is it really true? And is it really good? He goes on. You know the next commandment pretty well too. Don't go to bed with another spouse. But don't think you've preserved your virtue simply by staying out of bed. Your heart can be corrupted by your lust even quicker than your body. Those ogling looks you think nobody notices, they're also corrupt. Don't, don't, don't make it seem like just because you don't do it, you didn't think about it. And then you want to judge the one that did it when you thought about it so that you can feel better about yourself. Jesus is saying that's not the way. These rules, this is the minimum. Don't, don't commit adultery. That, that's baseline. That's for the babies. We're grown folks. What does the evolution look like? And he goes on to say, listen, let's not pretend this is easier than it really is. If you want to live a morally pure life, here's what you have to do. You have to blind your right eye the moment you catch it in a lustful leer. You have to choose to live one-eyed or else be dumped in a moral trash pile. And you have to chop off your right hand the moment you notice it raised threateningly. Better to bloody stump than your entire being discarded for good in the dump. I love this because this also gives us another opportunity to learn that we can't really and we have to be thoughtful about reading the Bible literally. This is a metaphor. Does Jesus really want us to pluck our eye out? No. Does Jesus really want us to cut our arm off? No. But Jesus is using a metaphor of what it means to live in community with others. As soon as you see yourself going in a direction that could be harmful to the community that God is trying to build, then you need to check yourself. Right? And we saw this even on January 6th with the insurrection, with people breaking into the Capitol, uh, uh, engaging in violent and aggressive behavior, and then they have a Jesus save sign. We've missed something in the rules, following the rules, but missing the relationship. He goes on to say, remember the scripture that says, whoever divorces his wife, let him do it legally, giving her divorce papers and her legal rights. Too many of you are using that as a cover for selfishness and whim, pretending to be righteous just because you're legal. 
Legalism doesn't make you righteous. Please, he says, no more pretending. If you divorce your wife, you're responsible for making her an adulteress unless she's already made herself that by sexual promiscuity. And if you marry such a divorced adulteress, you're automatically an adulterer yourself. You can't use legal cover to mask a moral failure. You can't use legal cover to mask a moral failure. Don't depend so much on the rules that it causes your heart to be hardened and closed. And then he goes on to say, here's another old saying that deserves a second look. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Is that going to get us anywhere? Here's what I propose. Don't hit back at all. If someone strikes you, stand there and take it. If someone drags you into court, sues the shirt, use you saw the shirt off your back, gift wrap your best coat and made a present of it. And if someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice the servant life. No more tit for tat. Live generously. What does it look like to live generously? Not following all the rules and doing everything that everybody tells you to do and asking everybody what you should do and what you shouldn't do and and where you should go and how you should act. But what does it look like to live generously? He, He sums it up here. You're familiar with the old written law. Love your friend and its unwritten companion. Hate your enemy. I'm challenging that. I'm telling you to love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the supple moves of prayer, for then you are working out of your true selves, your God-created selves. This is what God does. God gives God's best, the sun to warm and the rain to nourish to everyone, regardless the good and bad, the nice and nasty. If all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus? Anybody can do that. If you simply say hello to those who greet you, do you expect a medal? Any run-of-the-mill sinner does that. Jesus says in culminating, this juxtaposition to the Ten Commandments. In a word, what I'm saying is grow up. Your kingdom subjects. Now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously toward others the way God lives towards you. What I hear Jesus saying to them is you are still following those rules? And you've been free all this time? There's more that you can be doing. There's more love that you have to give. There's more life than you have to live. Don't get stuck in that tradition when God is calling you to more. Don't get stuck on the rules that God gave to Moses to give to them and think that that's all that applies to you. God is calling for more. This is why Jesus broke the Sabbath laws. And healed on the Sabbath and delivered on the Sabbath because he was trying to help us understand that there is evolution in God's relationship to us. That's why I love our identity statement. We are ever evolving, but are we really? 
if we're still living in what was given back then, when we know today so much more so that we can live such a generous life even now. The rules that I followed at five are not the same rules that I follow at 50. Some things we outgrow, some things we mature, some things become a part of who we are so that we don't necessarily have to have the rules, right? Jesus says, greater things than these shall you do. How do we get to greater things? By evolving, by understanding that God does not stop working when Jesus stops speaking, that God is still working, that God is still speaking, that God is still moving, and there's still opportunity for us to grow because there's some things that God just shouldn't have to tell us. Now that we've grown, now that we've lived a little, now that we've loved a little, now that we've served a little. So maybe it's not about following the rules that someone else gave us. Perhaps it's about embracing our humanity. We've embraced the rules, but can we embrace a way of life? Because this is what is required as the community of God is being called to evolve evolve so that we can recognize the humanity in our brother and our sister and not judge them for the speck when we have a beam. Evolve so that we can recognize the need and not wait on somebody to tell us to help. Evolve so that we can recognize that we have been given such a gift, such a freedom in God, and so don't exchange your freedom for bondage. Question everything. Why do you believe what you believe? Because the only way we get to greater things is if we're open to evolving so that God can give us greater. Some of us are stuck on the commandments and we're like, God, we got all we need. I don't want nothing else. But Jesus comes and says, there's more. There is a more excellent way. There are more opportunities to love. There's more opportunities for us to grow so that we can show up in a way that helps our brother, that helps our sister. We show up in a way that we don't have to have laws to tell us the right thing to do, that we ought to do that because of the God that's flowing out of us. It's about that relationship. So I'm calling on you today to investigate investigate what you believe and why you believe it and why you do the things you do. October, I was going in my closet and I wanted to wear something white. And I thought about the rule that you're not supposed to wear white after Labor Day. Where did that come from? Who made that up? And ultimately, why am I still participating in following a rule that makes absolutely no sense? But all over the world, people not wearing white after Labor Day. If we're following something as simple as that, imagine all of the other spaces and places in our minds that need to be investigated. Because when we know better, we do better. I wish I had worn white tonight. Dang, I didn't know. I just... When we know better, we do better. We don't have to stay bound. And after we investigate, we've got to translate so that we can understand what it really means and what we are really doing. 
Why do we believe the things we believe? Just because somebody told us? You think they can't be wrong? Not that someone's intentionally um, giving you a, a, a false information, but as we evolve, we grow. I don't have to tell my 18-year-old not to answer the phone until I call once and call back again. But I've got to tell that to my 5-year-old or my 7-year-old or my 10-year-old. And so why are we still dealing with the basic rules that sometimes don't even make sense when God is calling us to a higher level of responsibility and accountability? Ultimately, I know we follow rules generally either for fear of punishment or anticipation of a reward. But if that's the only reason we do what we're doing, then aren't we living a false narrative? Aren't we living a false life? If someone has to tell us what to do, if we haven't learned by now, it's not about the rules. It's about the relationship. Some people follow the rules all their lives and live a miserable life because their heart hasn't changed. Because you can follow the rules without a changed heart. But when your heart is changed, no one has to tell you the rules because it will flow out of the God that is in you. The greatest example of that is the thief on the cross who on that day that he was dying asked Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. And Jesus responds, this day you will be with me in paradise. I imagine there were people looking around like, wait a minute. He going to get it and he ain't even been living and following all these rules? Ah, uh, he saw the opportunity for the relationship. And the relationship is always greater than the rules. And so as you investigate and as you translate, make the decision today that you will embrace the freedom that God has extended to all of us. That we don't have to be bound by things that are nonsensical. We don't have to do it just because someone told us to do it. We don't have to not do it just because someone else didn't do it. But we have the freedom, the freedom to question, the freedom to be curious. There is something I believe called a divine curiosity where we examine the things that we believe as followers of the carpenter, and then we say, if they don't make sense, you know what? I'm going to put that to the side. Because what's more important is how we live together in community. And as we are living in these challenging times of COVID, there is no better time to begin to investigate who you really are and the way you know who you really are is by understanding what you really believe. What do you really believe? Some of us were never given the opportunity to question anything growing up as children, but we're no longer children. And so now we have the responsibility to question everything. Start asking questions and don't stop. Start asking questions and don't stop. Start asking questions and don't stop because the rules of the church are driving people out of the church 
and away from God. When God is saying, come unto me, all ye that are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Relationship overrules. Rest overrules. You are charged to question it all and trust that the Holy Spirit will teach you and lead you in all ways. As we celebrate Women's History Month and we recognize all of the oppression that women have experienced in this world, this is a good time. This is a good month to start questioning everything. Not just for women to start questioning on behalf of women, but for men to question on behalf of your mother, on behalf of your sister, on behalf of your daughter, that we might come to a place in this world where all of us really can be looked at as equal because of our hearts, not because of our gender. Amen? 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 Hallelujah? 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 God, we bless your name. We thank you, God. We love you. God, thank you for the opportunity to investigate, to understand what we believe and why we believe it so we're not walking around this world like robots. Thank you for Jesus who questioned it all and showed us a more excellent way, who showed us what it really looks like to live in relationship with you, in relationship with others, in relationship with ourselves. Help us, God, to begin to question the way Jesus questioned so that we can live and love and serve the way Jesus lived and loved and served. Help us, God, to lay aside the weight regardless of what they say, to lay aside the rules that don't make sense, the beliefs that are antiquated, help us to live in this day fully human and recognizing the full humanity in every person that we encounter. We love you, God. We thank you, God. And we lift this prayer in your mighty name, in your matchless name, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. And we say together, amen, amen, and amen. Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to you tuning back in in the future.